This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade. It's always great to be saving money on that power bill, using technology wisely, and living a more sustainable life. Hey, let's rewind to the 4th of July, an important holiday, and I am sitting here in downtown Marietta uh, about to to step off for the Marietta Parade, and I am joined this year not only by my campaign team of young people, but my by my inventor friend extraordinaire, Greg Coles, and Greg, it is great to be out celebrating our country's independence. Yes, it is. Uh, this year is especially dear to me uh my daughter she's off in the military she's been gone for about two years but uh when she left uh, you know it was the shock of her leaving then last year was the pandemic so no one really moved around and this year we're back out we're celebrating uh you know we're we're, we're all congregating again and showing our our appreciation for this day and I wish my daughter was here, but she's off in the in the Air Force. She's doing her thing, so I'm going to represent her her uh, presence as best I can. Well, I have a son in the Coast Guard, and he's uh, he's away today as well, and a daughter that works for the Justice Department, and another daughter-in-law who's a police officer, and she puts herself in in, in harm's way. And you know, Greg, I think as I reflect just on our the freedom that we have in our country. Independence Day, my own grandfather who served during World War II, I think sometimes we can forget that this great country that we have is something that a lot of people have have given their life for. Yeah, um, you know, as a person with uh, multiple members in the military, uh, my father was a police officer. He's retired uh, two years ago after 35 years, and he let me know what what he deals with on a daily basis to make sure that we're all safe and you're right we all tend to take it for granted because it's just so natural and you know our military and our government's done such a good job at creating a a platform for us to grow uh walk around relaxed and also concentrate on what we want to do on life instead of just surviving and because it's uh, it, our life is very good here, you know we're a privileged country. People take it for granted, but it comes with a price, and that sacrifice is what is what this day is about. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm appreciative of this day very much. So, well, we are going to be joined by thousands of people today here for this downtown Marietta parade, and I tell you what's really going to be fun is we've got this invention that you've taken this old MG and you've converted it to electricity this is such a crowd pleasure there's been so many people coming up to the car before we we've started here tell us about this car so this is a it's a, it's a 1980 mg it's got 60s accents on it so it looks like a, a much older vehicle but outside appearances it just looks like an, an older car inside it's got an, uh, a, a small ac50 motor it's got tesla batteries and uh, it's just a hoot to drive uh, it costs about 80 cents to charge it You'll get about a 100-mile range out of it. Uh, there's no maintenance. As with all electric vehicles, there's no maintenance, and you just get behind the wheel and you go. Um, I hope that this becomes a, uh, a, a household name 
electric conversions and electric vehicles. Mass adoption to electricity is something Americans should consider because when you have a vehicle that you only have to pay about two or three bucks to fill up, well, guess what you have the other 30 or $40 to do? Spend it in your community. Fix up your house. Buy your clothes. Put some more food in the fridge. You know, ele electric vehicles, especially with local travel, is something that all Americans should consider because it, it's actually a game changer with our lifestyle and with our environment. So Tesla has been pretty generous with their technologies and removing some patents and different things like that. Do you see the Tesla batteries as being something that you're going to use in a lot of other cars, or is there another battery chemistry that you like better? Uh, I'm a lithium iron phosphate guy only because there's no thermal maintenance really required with a lithium iron phosphate battery. They come in a square, uh, almost like a square brick, and they're easy to configure and put in vehicles. However, if you're going to get the most bang for your buck, it is Tesla. Tesla batteries are, they, they just have the most, uh, as I call, watt hour per gram. And uh, these, these batteries are also long-lasting batteries. Once you learn the thermal management system, which is you know cooling and heating them, these batteries are slated to last 15 to 20 years. And about 250 pounds of batteries can get you, can get you a good 100 miles. That's virtually unheard of up, up to this date. I do prefer lithium ion phosphate. However, if the budget calls for it, I will get a, a Tesla battery. I was touring the BYD um, bus factory in Lancaster, California, up in the high desert, and they were using the phosphate chemistry as well. And they liked it um, because it was just safer. Uh, and they felt like that, you know, this is, a, a, of course, these are batteries that they're importing from China over. They're assembling them there. And, of course, they're actually putting the buses together there in Lancaster. But, you know, Greg, as I think about, you know, buses being electrified and trash trucks and, and heavier users, I think we're going to just continue to see the electrification of vehicles accelerate over the over the next 20 years oh of course um, even myself i've converted a, a utility vehicle a, a utility truck over to electric and um, as we speak i've got a, a tow truck in my shop right now i'm converting to electric only because i understand the use of it you know they don't drive very far you do tow, tow some pretty heavy loads but um you know, when you figure out overall cost of cost of ownership versus the maintenance of a regular uh, diesel, especially diesel-powered vehicles, any internal combustion vehicle that go comes under heavy load, last mile delivery, uh, like you say, trash trucks or, or anything where it's a service truck that sits a long time but they do heavy loads or heavy lifting then of course you got a lot of moving parts you got a lot of parts that are stressed a lot of parts that have to be maintenance all of that can be reduced when you go electric the initial cost is almost like getting a techno shock you know it's going to hurt in the beginning but it's going to save you in the end for a good 10 years just like a techno shot that's how i look at it uh, look at the overall cost of ownership, look at the overall cost of maintenance, the overall cost of downtime, and that would also ultimately bring you over to the electric world, especially in the service and fleet industry. Greg, a lot of people have more than one car in their family. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've got seven kids, so I've, I've had lots of cars in the driveway at one single moment. But now in our family, we have in our driveway, we have a RAV4 hybrid from Toyota. We have a 2014 Prius hybrid. We have a 2013 Nissan Leaf fully electric. And then we have a 2017 Chevrolet Volt plug-in 
hybrid. And like yesterday, I was cruising over to Athens for a meeting. I just took the to I just took the Nissan Leaf because I was only going to be driving about 60 miles, so I had the range to do it. Today, coming here, I drove my Chevy Volt over because I didn't know what the charging situation was going to be. But you know, you don't have to, and this is kind of a a misconception, Greg. I think that people have. You don't have to drive to California in your electric car in order for you to have an electric car that works for your family. You know, that is a huge misconception. People always ask, what do you do about charging? What do you do about charging? Uh, how long does it last? There is range anxiety. But what people don't, what everyone has to realize, the average commuter does about 45 miles a day. And even with a regular gas car, no one goes to the gas station and fills up every time. You go there, you'll throw 20 bucks in. You you know, you're at a quarter of a tank, half a tank. You know, there's so many people that ride around on E because, you know, they just need to get to the store or just get to work. It's the same way with electric vehicles. You don't have to charge every time, but if you come home and plug it up, well, guess what? You've got a full range the next day, and it's and you'll you'll eliminate that range anxiety. And as you drive and you learn how to use your eco meter, which is basically your your RPM meter, it'll let you know when you're pressing on the throttle a little too hard. You need to back off a little, and you'll see your mileage re- your mileage range increase, and you'll also notice that uh, you don't have to charge as much. But it's just it's just like using an Apple. Uh, phone versus an Android. You have people that love Android and you get to Apple and they say, oh, you can't do anything with it. Well, it's not that. You just have to think differently. And that is the uh, the culture with electric cars. Just think differently. In our last couple of minutes, uh, tell us about the, the YouTube site, Greg Goes Electric, and what folks can see there. Yeah, uh, my YouTube channel is Greg Goes Electric. There, I actually show people what it's like in the, in the conversion process, what it, what it takes to convert vehicles. Uh, there's a little bit of effort involved on my end as an engineer to, to convert vehicles, but it just lets you know that you're basically getting the same vehicle. The only thing I do is just change out the drivetrain. So, uh, and there's some fun stuff to see up there too. You know, you'll be amazed to see what goes into electric vehicles and how simple it is, actually, and ultimately in the end. So, uh, check that out. Greg Goes Electric on YouTube. Also, if you're on Instagram, I'm at Greg Goes Electric on Instagram. You'll find some uh, intriguing and useful information there. Well, we'll be, we'll be stepping off soon, and we'll be in a long, long line of cars. And uh, I love doing these parades. Greg, because people are relaxed, they're they're feeling good, they're they're thinking about our country, and uh, they're they're with their family. And it's just a great time to meet people. I've got all these teenagers with me today as we uh, as as we just celebrate our independence. So I guess as we as we put a wrap on this, as you think about the future in thirty years, in thirty years, what will the automotive fleet look like? Do you think? Well, it is my hope, it's my vision that everyone has an electric vehicle in their driveway and that if you do want to take a long trip, well, then you could rent one if you want to take a long trip, if you have that range anxiety. But I believe that our country's infrastructure will be just like a cell phone was 30 years ago. It was very rare that people had cell phones. It didn't seem as practical. Now everyone has it. And it's the same way with electric vehicles. If we get our infrastructure to where we can support charging, then uh, we'll be there and everyone will have an electric vehicle. Well, there you have it. Looking forward to being in the parade today. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. And stick around. We'll have another On the Road segment in just a few minutes. 
Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Logan Booker, producer of Energy Matters, here for Green Power EMC. From the suburbs to rural farming communities, Georgia is enjoying the benefits of a more sustainable future through the power of solar energy. Available from 38 of Georgia's member-owned electric membership cooperatives, or EMCs, these not-for-profit utilities are harnessing the sun's energy to bring clean, renewable, and affordable electricity to 4.2 million Georgians. For more information, visit www.greenpoweremc.com or contact your local EMC. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold, Golden, and Gregory, an AMLAW 200 law firm with 180 attorneys in Atlanta and Washington, D.C. They take a business sensibility approach when advising clients. They provide industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG subscribes to the belief not if, but how. We thank John Gornall and all the attorneys and staff at AGG for sponsoring our show. Hey, Tim Eccles back on Energy Matters with my buddy Mike DeVornier with Escalant. Mike, I thought we would take a few minutes and talk about some of the research that you guys have done. Our show originates in Athens, Georgia. It's the home of the University of Georgia uh, academic community. The show goes all over the state and on podcasts all over uh, the nation and the world. But tell us first a little about Escalant and what you do for them. Absolutely. So, yeah, we do basically market research. So we monitor what's happening from a consumer standpoint, uh, specifically as it relates to electric vehicles, what adoption looks like, what people want, and things like that. So when you do uh, market research, are you actually talking to consumers? Are you doing surveys? Or how, how are you gathering your data? We do. We talk directly with consumers. Uh, so for us, every year, for instance, related to electric vehicles, we field a survey where we talk to uh, over 10,000 people across the country to really understand directly from them what it is that they want, uh, what are they perceiving out there, and how can we really help uh, move the needle in terms of EVs. When you share data like this with the folks that hire you or with other interested parties, do they actually make changes in what they're doing based on the data? They really do. It's something that, you know, there are times where they've got good reasons why they may move in a different direction. But at the end of the day, these companies are making, in many cases, billions of dollars of investments, and it's easy to get it wrong. So to the extent you can talk to the people that you want to be, you know, selling vehicles to, for instance, um, we find that it's really helpful, and our clients do as well, to be able to understand, you know, what is it that they want, and, uh, you know, how can they deliver that. What are some of the things in studies that you've done recently that you've learned that has been either surprising to you or surprising to your client? There have been a number of things. I mean, one of them that I would say just came out of some research we did earlier this year was to the extent the perception of Tesla has shifted in the marketplace. Um, There's really been you know, in a lot of ways, it was people could write off Tesla as sort of a unique company that was selling vehicles to a very specific kind of person. 
And you know, here, now we are in 2021, where essentially they are selling more EVs than all other manufacturers combined. In a lot of ways, what they do is kind of setting the tone for what people come to expect. And so with a lot of our uh, car manufacturer clients, it's been about reshaping the way that they think about what they need to deliver. Because if consumers are going to expect what Tesla provides is what they should get, um, to what extent do you need to deliver some of those features? And you know, what are some other things you do to be different as well? We mentioned earlier in this uh, first segment, I asked you about the search for um, Kelly Blue Book. And, and as we were uh, just, I was just asking you to guess. And frankly, I was surprised. I mean, there were three Teslas in the top 10. Uh, the Model 3 was third. And then the Model Y was second. And the Model X, I think, was 10th. But the RAV4 Hybrid, which, by the way, uh, I own one. This is my second one. So, I can see why people love that, essentially that Prius hybrid technology that's been now put into all of their their cars. But all the rest of the cars were Japanese hybrids. As you kind of think, okay, why are people searching for electric or, and not necessarily plug-in hybrids, just hybrids? What's driving this? Is it the price of gas? Is it is it the technology? What's your guess on why people are looking harder at these cars now? You know, we're really seeing it boiling down to two things, and we, and we just say it's green in the sense that it's both the environment green or it's just the dollars and cents green. Um, because we've got, obviously, there, there are now even more people than ever that are saying, hey, look, I'm seeing what's happening with the environment, and I do want to make a difference. Um, it's actually a lot less polarizing than it gets talked about in the media. In the most recent survey we did with the, the 10,000 people or so uh, that we spoke with, it, you know, we're finding that essentially it's over 60% of all consumers that are saying, I do care about the environment, I want to do something about it, and I realize my vehicle can make a difference. That said, there are at least as many people that are saying, effectively, look, if I don't have to put gasoline in a vehicle, if there might be lower maintenance, I mean, these are all things that really appeal to me, and I see that as a way that I can save money as well. So those really are key. Let me ask you to speculate again, because I remember when Toyota got into NASCAR. A bit, a bit controversial because it was really just the big three American manufacturers. And Toyota came in there with Michael Waldrop's team first, Daryl Waltrip's brother. It was controversial. And I haven't heard anyone make this analysis yet. But do you think that Toyota's incredible investment in racing development, in racing teams, that it has persuaded the NASCAR type community that a Japanese car is acceptable to own. So maybe they didn't initially go out and buy a Prius, but now over the decade or so that Toyota has been in NASCAR, now the average Joe says, well, hey, you know, my favorite driver's in a Toyota, and I'm going to the dealership, and yeah, I'm going to get my wife that, that, that Prius this year, or that RAV4. I mean, is that, that's, it's a long time coming, but could it have had the impact that they had hoped? I think it's an amazing analogy, because it, it really shows what we're seeing needs to be done on the, uh, you know, the, basically, adoption of these new powertrains, is it's a journey. You can't just come out with something that's neat and sexy and expect people to go and switch when they've been, you know, they've had loyalties that have gone back, you know, perhaps decades. So it really is about, you know, fighting the good fight. 
Um, and we are finding that it is, we're seeing things like that happen with, for instance, electric vehicles where, you know, it knew initially they, they rub people the wrong way, but then you see them on the road, you know people that own them, you get a ride in one, and it does start slowly breaking down those barriers. And I think what's frustrating for people is it it's not something that then all of a sudden that person goes, runs out and buy an electric vehicle. But as a whole, and this is something that we spent a lot of time monitoring, just the general openness to the concept of these vehicles is shifting and we're seeing that you know effectively that's that's something that's not there's no going back there is just that greater openness to it let's do a hypothetical again you uh, are involved with nasa the amateur racing organization as is my son who has a, a porsche 944 and i am very active at road atlanta and we do an ev fan zone it's the first time that we've done that there's a lot of pushback to electric vehicles. The whole Formula E thing is not well accepted by the traditional racing community. So let's just, let's just do a hypothetical that let's take a manufacturer like, for example, BMW. And let's say that BMW decides that they're going to sponsor a series for electric vehicles and that they are the basically the same car so let's just say they're gonna they're gonna put their five series uh electric out there and we're gonna have a racing series on that and we're gonna use the same toyota approach that they use in nascar and that we're gonna figure it's gonna take 10 years for people to change and then all of a sudden now we have people that are loyal porsche bmw audi um, Mazda Miata ice engine people thinking wow I love that series and I now am going to get one of these for a family member I mean is that too wild I don't think it's too wild I mean one thing that we see that is sort of an understated selling point of EVs is that they are just genuinely fun vehicles to drive um, you know even though I am a sort of dyed in the wool petrol head um, I will go for my wife's EV anytime because I find the instant torque, the quietness. I mean, it's it just is a more fun vehicle to drive um, and to drive irresponsibly. I mean, it's it's enjoyable. I do think that there, you know, it's a way to get people who think that an EV wouldn't work for them to realize that it actually can bring some new elements to the table. That even for enthusiasts, I mean, we essentially have identified a new generation of auto enthusiasts. Um, we call them young enthusiasts that. To them, their ideal is an electrified vehicle. They look at all the hypercars that are sold today. They have some form of electrification. If you want maximum performance, you can't do that now with just uh, fossil fuels. And so I do think it's about exposing people to those and saying, hey, look, these vehicles can hold up to tough use. They can do all these different things. Oh, and by the way, they're going to put a big smile on your face. Tesla, thinking about Tesla getting involved in auto racing and after meeting a lot of Tesla owners and talking with them, I just don't, I just don't know that Elon Musk is going to ever go that way. So I, you know, I, I think he feels like he's going to convince people without having to do anything clever like that, just this next generation that loves him, that loves technology, that loves rockets, that loves innovation, that they are going to go this way because these cars are just simply a higher tech car than the average car on the street. I do. Well, and that's where I feel like if some other manufacturer of Tesla right now when it comes to EVs, they have really 
been able to own the performance aspect of it. I mean, of course, we've got some of the Porsches and the Audis and some of the BMWs that are coming, but, you know, they're, smell, they're, they're selling in small numbers. Um, you know, they're not getting a ton of exposure that uh, something like you talk about with the racing would be a way to show people, hey, look, you know, we can we compete against Tesla in that regard? I mean, Elon Musk has not been shy about when a, a car comes out that claims to beat a Tesla in terms of EV performance. He then you know, comes right out with something to beat it. So he wants to stay on top of that mantle. But I do think there's certain areas like, for instance, with racing that probably wouldn't be a natural fit for them that someone else could own. Where can folks find your studies and find out more about your organization? Sure. You know, the best place would be to look on our website, which is escalant.co. And we end up posting information on there where people are able to look at some of the results we have from our surveys. We also do webinars where we basically will share publicly uh, the information that we're able to gather so people can understand what's happening in the marketplace. Well, great having you on. When we come back, we're going to add James Tillman to the conversation. We're going to drive around the South Bay of Los Angeles, look at and talk about electric vehicle charging and why California is really making all the difference here. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Tim Eccles of Energy Matters here for Solar Sun World. No doubt you've seen solar panels popping up all over the state. If you want the precision of German engineering when it comes to solar, Solar Sun World is for you. Gerd and all the folks at Solar Sun World understand the complexities of solar and how to make it work for you. From tax credits to inverters to accelerated depreciation, they'll advise you on the best path forward. And Solar Sun World now offers power purchase agreements. Find them at solarsunworld.com, solarsunworld.com. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit, and the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by BMW Auto Sales. With gas prices hitting over $3 for the first time since 2014, isn't it time you consider a hybrid or a plug-in hybrid from BMVW Auto Sales? These plug-in hybrids will go 50 miles on electric charge, saving you precious money and time. Skip the line at the gas pumps and charge in your garage. See more at ev-hybrid.com. That's ev-hybrid.com. Hey, Tim Eccles, back on Energy Matters uh, in Manhattan Beach, California. It's just near LAX, if you've ever flown here. Got my buddies James Tillman and Mike DeVornay. So we are at a Gilson's, and we don't have these in Georgia, but it's a grocery store. And we've got a Volta free EV charging. Uh, now, we'll be going in a, in a little while to some pay chargers, but... Uh, James, this this is free while you're shopping, right? That's correct. So I think they have two-hour limits on these. What, so these are Volta stations. And Volta stations are, as I understand it, they're free for the uh, host site. They're free for the EV users. And they're paid for by the advertisements that roll on the screen. So it's a really unique business model. Yeah, so this is a pretty nice um, LED screen uh, maybe here, and it's advertising um, Equinox. Uh, Equinox. Let's go, California! Join online today, and here a Kia Nero plug-in 
hybrid, uh, yeah, this is a plug-in hybrid. Don't see many of those. I considered this. I had a Kia EV Soul that I got in 15, and then when I turned it in, I tried to make a deal with Kia on this plug-in hybrid, and I just couldn't get them to negotiate enough, and I'm a car guy from way back. Yes. Um, so I'm not familiar with this car. I love the Soul. Um, but you know, again, what I think is neat about this business model is it's not dependent on utilization and the advertising dollars helps pay for multiple stations. And it's really great for EV drivers who are just looking for a top off. They come in, they go to Gelson's, they spend an hour buying their weekly groceries and they come back, they've got an extra 25 miles of charge. It's perfect. Yeah. So let's walk around this station uh, just a quick second. Nice long cord. It's a, a kind of a tall station, I guess, uh, to get this advertising. And we've got advertising uh, on both both sides. I guess the don't get left behind maybe is the Volta logo. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. This is a version two station, I believe. So one side is static. And so they change these out probably on a monthly, quarterly basis. The other side is an LED or, uh, you know, television type screen that scrolls through advertising they have newer versions that also have uh, the screens on both sides and then they're also starting to do uh, explore the dc fast charging market as well so it's really interesting stuff going on with volta so let me ask mike uh, mike you're in a tesla today it's your wife's car but you drive it uh what do you think about the difference between this model and the model that we're going to see where you're actually scanning your credit card or using your app well, I mean, I certainly like the, the free aspect of it. Um, it's interesting to see, I mean, this is my first exposure to one of these. Um, given the way that it's positioned, uh, you know, the vehicle here, the, the advertising screen with the, the more kind of TV part, it does make me wonder to what extent people will see that um, unless you're the, the person actually charging your car. So, I mean, it's a, it's a very fascinating business model, um, but I do wonder what, what are the actual uh, you know, kind of dollars and cents of that look like? Um, yeah, you know, one of the things that we were talking about here on these fast chargers, and there's so many of them here in California, is, you know, how do you make money at this? And James was telling me, well, you really don't. You just you just kind of take the system that we have and you utilize it through depreciation and penalty payments and other in other ways to wind up making money. Explain that wild and crazy concept to my listeners. I think you did it pretty well. Uh, so there, it's definitely, uh, there's some financial uh, magic that happens, but definitely you know, for many of these uh, different business models, they have different funding sources, whether it's from grants, sometimes penalty dollars. Um, sometimes there's co-investment from the host site. Sometimes you can actually sell the stations to the host. So there's a variety of different ways to make the numbers work. There's also uh, you know tax incentives, LCFS credits, those sorts of things. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Explain the LCFS credits to Georgia listeners. So there is a low carbon fuel, uh, there's credit, that's it, LCFCS, uh, low carbon fuel credits that basically um, help supplement the electrons that flow through the charging station. I believe it's somewhere around, and again, I, I don't do the financial modeling, but somewhere around 15 to $20 a megawatt hour. Listen to my listener friends. The model matters, and I know uh, I, I know there are people that are frustrated that maybe, hey, Georgia's not moving this way fast enough. But look, California has a structure that we don't, and they can build things that lose money and still make money. Now go figure that out. Uh, so hey, let's go up to this German car because Mike knows about German cars. Um, so we have an Audi e-tron. 
here on this free charger so somebody's in there shopping maybe they'll come out uh, maybe they'll come out in a second and wow their charger port and i've seen this on the porsche uh, everything on German cars are highly engineered, Mike. <laughs> no question. Yeah, I mean, it's a completely hidden uh, charger port. I mean, it's got this panel that, that folds away. It's it's a pretty neat setup that they've got. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's this is definitely, here in California, the kind of vehicle you would see at a high-end store um, that we're at here. And it does seem like, you know, there's, there's a good chance that this person probably doesn't need the charge. But, um, you know, they're, they're getting it, and it's just helping... You know, this, this sense of wherever I go, I can get electrons, um, I can have the confidence for this to be my daily driver and have this be, you know, I don't need a backup gasoline vehicle. You know, there's a lot of people that buy plug-in hybrids that I've talked with that don't go to the trouble to plug them in when they're out and about. Because one, the German cars that I've seen that are plug-in hybrids, I don't really see people plugging in outside of their home. First place, BMW with their 5 Series plug-in, Porsche with their Panamera, the plug-in hybrids haven't been that great of sellers. Uh, but this is a fully electric Audi e-tron. So whoever's in this car is getting some free charge here. Very convenient, very easy. Um, Mike, I mean, you, you know, you're involved with NASA racing, as my son is, and the Germans have been really slow in a adopting electric vehicles. And James has all but said that German car dealerships, Mercedes dealerships, that they're not that interested. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's something where we're seeing change now. You know, there's a lot of investment happening, but you know, in the uh, especially you go back five, six, seven years ago, uh, it just was much more of the manufacturers were dipping a toe into the space. The the commitment wasn't there. And one thing we hear from consumers a lot is they pick up on when they don't feel like the manufacturer's really committed to something because if they're going to commit, they want that support. And we've got vehicles like this e-tron where I mean, Audi, this is a, this is a serious vehicle, um, and you're I am seeing these on the road very often here um, so you know we really are seeing a change in the vehicles and, and what's getting you know what's happening in terms of getting them in consumers hands mike you're familiar with uh the the race series that travels the country winds up at petit uh at the petit lama uh in georgia at road atlanta the prototype series we've got the you know the the, the porsche does uh, it the porsche gtr mm -hmm. uh and in our we did an ev performance corral and james um you guys have got to come and join join us this year. We're doing this again. We rented part of the fan zone, and we set up. Audi came in and set the e-tron up on a raised platform. Porsche brought their Taycan in, uh, and then we allowed all the Teslas that visited the track to park free uh, with us. And then we did hourly seminars underneath a solar pavilion. Uh, and so we did get a lot of lookers from race fans who... Uh, who who love German cars, you know, to come and, t and take a look. But we're not seeing Audi sell a lot of these cars in Georgia. I just don't I just don't feel like that German car buyers really have caught the EV fever yet. Well, I, I tell you, what's not to love about German cars? Um, I'm a big fan. I think the dealerships are starting to get more excited because they've got these beautiful cars. The EQS is coming out. And you're right. Once the OEM commits, the dealerships will fall in line. But I also think it's a matter of just information and, and education. I don't know if there is as much 
advertising or just you know being out there in the media for these electric cars like they are here in California. I mean, for here, it's, this is kind of not just a status symbol anymore. It's like, gosh, if you don't have one, then you know what are you doing? I mean, it makes financial sense. And now that they're beautiful and luxurious and sporty, I mean, why why would you do with anything else? You know, wide, widespread public adoption, uh, and that, that makes all the difference. And the fact that y'all have turned them into status symbols here and they're cool and everybody wants one, we're just not there yet in Georgia. So, I mean, I've been pushing EVs for a long time. Uh, I've been driving one since 2013. Before that, I had a natural gas car and a propane van and an E85. I mean, I'm Mr. Alternative Fuel, but not everybody not everybody thinks about it all day long. Well, stick around. We're going to be back in just a second with James and Mike as we explore more great EV charging locations around the South Bay uh, in Southern California. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. We live in Georgia and love our state. One reason is our super low electric rate. We have Tim Eccles to thank at the PSC. I know he works hard for you and me. Tim travels our state, helping people save With solar panels, biomass, wind, and even wave No one works harder, we all know his speed Tim Eccles is a winner, we need him to lead Vote Tim, vote Tim Let's keep him in Vote Tim, vote Tim Tim, keep Georgia on track. Vote him, vote him. His record is the fact. Vote him, vote him. Keep Georgia on track. Vote him, vote him. He's got your back. People like Tim, cause he's easy to reach. He solves people's problems from mountains to beach. He listens, he learns, he cares for us all, even bees and butterflies. No, he's Energy Matters would like to thank GasSouth for its support of the show. GasSouth has a no-deposit policy and offers some of the lowest per-therm rates in the state. Use the promo code MATTERS for a special deal. GasSouth, the difference is good. Creative Solar USA is a Georgia-based turnkey installer of innovative solar panel systems. With their NABCEP certified installers, they ensure you receive the highest quality solar energy system in the industry. They're proud to work with you before, during, and after the install, blending customer demand, system capability, and expertise to provide the best service possible. Contact them today at 770-485-7438 or creativesolarusa.com. Tim Eccles here for Marlin Gas Services. Marlin doesn't sell gasoline, propane, or even natural gas, but they do solve problems and difficult ones when traditional pipelines are shut down. Remember that contractor that pierced the pipe at the bottom of the Savannah River, terminating gas service to all of Hutchinson Island? Marlin was there. They trucked highly compressed gas over to the island, restoring gas service until the repair could be made. See more at MarlinGas.com. That's MarlinGas.com.
This segment of Energy Matters is sponsored by Hall Booth Smith. This law firm works with over 88 Fortune 500 companies, and they have offices from Brunswick to Athens, Tifton to Columbus, and of course, Atlanta. We'd like to thank Hall Booth Smith for the great work they do with school boards, hospitals, cities, and counties all over our state. See more at hallboothsmith.com. Hey, Tim Eccles back on Energy Matters. Um, on the road in, on the West Coast in L.A., I'm with James Tillman of Bright Move Energy, and we are cruising around the South Bay looking at all the different uh, EV chargers and the varieties that they're doing here. James, you work for Bright Move, and we just pulled into a gas station, and I don't know that I've ever seen an EV charger at more than two or three gas stations. How's this working? Well, this is really great. I think what we're seeing is C-stores are starting to lose customers due to electrification, and so as a way to get them back into the C-store for the really high margin items, they're partnering with companies like EVGOs and others. In fact, I think we saw a recent announcement with 7-Eleven also putting in uh, charging stations at 250 locations, but really to start bringing those customers back, because, you know, people, you know, they buy Red Bull, they buy a lot tickets if they're not at the gas station they're not doing that they also tend to have a pretty good infrastructure they have extra parking that's underutilized and usually there's 480 power to power things like the car wash so this is a really unique location it's a chevron uh gas station in manhattan beach you want to go take a look yeah let's get out and take a look at it um Getting out, there is a car wash here. Uh, there's four dedicated spaces. It's kind of next to the vacuum and the and the air thing. And by the way, the gas here. Let's see, regular four thirty-five a gallon, Georgia. I mean, we're at you know we're below three dollars. So count your blessing. You just heard our uh, bolt uh, lock itself. We're in front of this. Wow, this is a uh, this is a very large EVGO fast charger and look like you've got a credit card reader on it tell me tell me what you like about this and then i want i want you to tell me the challenges of putting it here absolutely so this is a great station so one of the things that evgo has been able to do is they've also been able to integrate a tesla charging cord uh you know here in california i guess with everywhere you know tesla is is really owns the market and so what they've been able to do is integrate tesla into the chatmo cable so you really have three choices here anyone can charge Wow, so I've got the Chatamo, and that's what I use for my Nissan Leaf, and then I've got the Tesla, and then I've got the CCS that'll work uh, for the Chevy and the BMW, and... Yeah, basically all the American European cars, the Volkswagens, etc. And so with this charging station, you basically have three ways in which you can uh, authenticate and use the station. You can use a credit card, you can use your RFID, or you can use the EVGO app. It's very, very simple. And so there there's, are some regulatory challenges to developing a site like this. Um, but really what we look for in a lot of these locations is ADA is really the biggest challenge for us. And so if you notice in California, we've got a 12 inch or 12 inch, excuse me, 12 foot stall followed by a five foot access aisle and then a flat surface that leads to a pathway all the way around into the storefront. And so that's very important uh, in California to make sure everything is uh, ADA certified. And uh, it's, it's somewhat complicated. We've got a table for it. Yeah, so these are expensive chargers. And you've got two of them here. You've got one, two, three dedicated parking spaces. They're not green. Do you have a lot of people just pulling in here and, and stealing the space? Some places we paint them green. It really depends on the, on the client. We built this station probably three years ago. Um, it's just, just whatever the code is for the city. 
you're from Savannah, uh, and Savannah on Bull Street has an EV charger just uh, just a block uh, off of uh, off of Bay Street, going up towards uh, Broughton and near Johnson Square. And it's not painted green, and every time I'm there, that thing is iced by some vehicle. Have you found that the way you've got this done with a big symbol, that, that that's effective? I think so. I, I, again, th- this is California, so people are, are, have grown used to this. You know, Tesla represents about 10% of new car sales, not just EV sales, but general sales. So people are getting used to this. People see it all the time. It's very rare that I see these stations iced. Hey, can we plug your car in? Uh, sure. Is that possible? So we're going to walk over. We've got a Chevy Bolt. And, folks, you've read my op-ed in the Atlanta Business Chronicle maybe about me renting the Chevy Bolt and trying it out as a Lyft driver and just seeing how that works. So, okay, tell us uh, tell us what we're doing here. Sure. So it's pretty simple. We're uh, opening up the fueling hatch. Here I've got a CCS combo charger. So the top end is a a regular J1772. It allows me to plug into my home charging station, the charging station at the office, and and any level two charging station that's out there. Um, And then there's a cover that I can remove that opens up the DC fast charging ports. And one of the unique things about this coupler setup is it, it still uses the same communications, and then I've got the 480 power going through here. Um, so that alleviates ports like in the, the Nissan. Yeah, while James plugs it in here, he's got his phone out, and we're going to post some of this on our Twitter feed at Matters Radio. He's going to activate this. You know, I've told you, you know, many times that charging at home overnight uh, actually puts downward pressure on rates, at least in Georgia it does, because we've got excess energy on our grid, and by plugging your electric vehicle in at home, you're actually providing greater grid efficiency. Now, I mean, we pulled in here, we had about 145 miles of range, so technically James doesn't need to charge, but he's going to do it just for me and and kind of and, and kind of demonstrate this. Go ahead, James. So it should be pretty easy, so I pull up the, the EVgo app, um, it's, it knows exactly where I'm at. I'm at the Chevron station on Aviation Boulevard. I should be able to click on it. It gives me, uh, which I really like about EVgo stations, is they're all named. I think that's kind of cool. And then so I pick, I'm at Bacchus. And then I need the SAE combo. It's available to charge. And then I simply grab the cup, the quart set. I bring it over. You hear the clicks, nice and simple. And I just... I swipe right to charge, and there it is. It's going. It's connecting and charging. And how long will it take your car to charge? Is that app going to tell you, give you any any data about how long you need to sit here? Yeah, it'll give me notifications when I'm fully charged, those sorts of things. Uh, typically, when I use these stations, um, I use the one on the way to Big Bear uh, very often. It's right before you go up the 330 up the hill, and there's a Walmart there. And usually what I do is I stop there, I top off, I go into uh, the Walmart, I buy supplies from you know for the few days that I'll spend up in the cabin, and then I come back. I've got you know maybe another 25, 30 percent. It's definitely more than enough, and it's just really a quick top off to get me where I'm going. Well, you know, you are from Georgia, but you live here, and I've got Mike from Escalant here as well. Mike has a t- uh, wife has a has a Tesla, and he drives uh, a, a German car. But uh, but California in general, uh, and I've noticed this ever since I was a teenager was that 
this is a haven for classic cars, for old trucks, for restoration, for, I mean, the, the best restored cars in the country are here. They love automobiles. Do you think California would be so into electric cars if Elon Musk and his factory was not here? That's a great question. I, I, you know, you're right. I mean, LA particularly is very much a car city. Um, I think that if it wasn't Elon, there'd probably be other car companies that would be electrifying. I do believe that he definitely accelerated it. He really made uh, electric cars cool and sexy and luxurious. Um, but you know, even with that, I think it was still coming. We're still going to do electrification. I just saw like David Beckham, you know, invested in a, in a, a powertrain company to convert old cars, which I think would be a great opportunity for the people of California who are looking to save and salvage these older, beautiful vehicles. Um, I'm personally on the list for a Rivian, uh, which I'm super excited about. I'd like to have a big electric truck. I think the Ford announcement was great too. So we do see this, you know, uh, this pivot and uh, this pivot, but this um, inflection point in the industry um, and, and we're seeing a lot of really great products come to the market. So I found in Georgia that those top metro counties, uh, Cobb, Gwinnett, Fulton, Forsyth, uh, DeKalb, these are where 90% of our EVs are and my Republican colleagues haven't really embraced EVs yet. Is it different here in California? Do you see just a person that loves technology driving an EV, regardless of their political affiliation, or would you say it's still mostly a democratic toy, as my colleagues like to say? Sure, I th that's a great question. So I started this business in Texas. So I think that I can, have, you know, with confidence talk about both sides of the aisle on this one. When I worked at the city of Houston, Mayor Bill White would let me do any green project I ever wanted to do as long as it broke even or made money. And I think regardless of your political affiliation, if the vehicle performs as good or better than its traditional ICE counterpart and costs less to own on a total cost of ownership basis, then I think you'd be silly not to do that. Um, because it saves money. Uh, the cars are great. I think the F-150 is really gonna change that, uh, that perception and really get mainstream middle America into these vehicles and see exactly how powerful they are and how capable they are. And I really don't think it's, um, it's, it matters what side of the aisle you're on for this. Yeah, I, I really think you're exactly right. That F-150 is going to take folks in the rural part of states and it's going to endear them because they love the brand uh, they've already had that they know that hey this is a great truck it'll tow my boat it'll do it'll do the stuff i need it to do on the weekend and during my job so i really think that the trucks are the way to gather up the rest of the country absolutely and once they understand the convenience of owning an electric car i mean this is probably you know one I might go to an electric vehicle fast charging station three or four times a year. That's it, because I, every morning I leave my house with a full tank of electrons. It's so convenient. Um, I think that's gonna really change people's minds. Well, this is Tim Eccles. I am at the Extra Mile gas station. I'm watching our electric car charge. It's been great being here in California with James and Mike and everyone here. You've been listening to Energy Matters. Have a great day, everyone. Everyone has tough times in their life. 
By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, $2, or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you. The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. Um...